How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Building Your Wealth Muscle. On today's episode, we recap, we finish the six-part series. This is number five in the series, Optimizing Your Financial Plan. And on this episode, you're going to learn what the last phase of the financial planning is, or I should say why that's the last phase, why financial planning, quote unquote, never ends, what triggers cause you to adjust your financial plan. And again, if this episode brings you value, uh, please do me a favor. Uh, please share it with a friend. Um, we're trying to help as many people improve their finances as possible, especially in the fitness community that um, you guys give so much for people's health transformation. Uh, we want to do our part to help with the financial transformations. So thank you and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer. The topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Welcome back to Building Your Wealth Muscle. This is the sixth episode and basically the final episode on the series on what is financial planning. There's basically five parts of financial planning, but we did a six-part series. This is the sixth part. Basically, um, this the first one was just an overview, and then we dove into each of the five sections of financial planning, specifically the way that, that I look at it and my firm tackles it. So I'm going to recap those. If, if you haven't listened to the first few episodes, I highly recommend you go back and doing so. But here's a quick recap. If you're, if this is the first episode you're listening to, the five phases of financial planning, specifically how most financial planners view it. And again, we're going over this if this is your first episode because financial planning can be a very obscure thing. People don't know what they're getting, and the financial, the big financial institutions have made it even harder to understand because they make everything so investment focused. Meaning financial planning to them is basically the last episode allocating the money. So for them, it's just a quick time value of money calculation based on what kind of assets can they manage for you or an insurance product they can sell to you. If you're looking for advice outside of that, like money advice, like I don't like to use necessarily net. I would like to differentiate like financial advice versus money advice, just because financial advice, that term is hijacked by the big, the big institutions that again, they're not necessarily doing full financial planning that incorporates everything in your life. They, especially if it's something that doesn't, they can't monetize, you know, like if you go to some of the major institutions and you start talking about your bad credit all the debt, lack of cash flow in your business, things like that, <laughs> they start seeing red flags because even though you might need help more than anybody else, and again, it would be similar to the the analogy of fitness, like if every person that you helped had a six pack already, you know, you're you're missing out on the the huge transformations and or I should say the people who need help potentially or quote unquote the most that are super overweight, 
have all these health problems, they probably need your services almost more than the man or woman that's already pretty fit, that's just looking to get to the next level. And that's the way finance has portrayed themselves. Like, you know, save a half a million and come talk to us, save a million and come talk to us. So everyone walking around with the ability to do both of those things or higher, obviously significantly higher, are typically marketed to or the target audience of those major firms. Because again, they're not necessarily charging you as a consultant. They don't want to, they want to grow the money you already have. So again, it's asking the, the population to, to go away until they've already got a six pack. You know, come back once you already have the millions of dollars that we can manage and, and make a ton of money off of you. And if you're like, well, I don't want you to manage it, but I have these problems, like, sorry, we can't help you. At least most places. Again, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but I wanted this six-part series to help people think about, okay, I'm having money problems where I have money stress. Financial planning could be the ticket for you because, again, it's not just give me your money and let me invest it for you because I'm going to do X, Y, or Z in the stock market or whatever the case may be. Like I've got this secret formula or this amazing annuity product. It's more than that. So let's, let's recap. I spent a few more minutes on that than I had intended, but let's recap the five steps of financial planning. Obviously we're on step five today. First one is just goals, goal setting, you know, same exact, the, the, First two steps are very much like fitness. You're going to set your goals. That's the first step again. What are your desired outcome? What are you trying to do? What are you solving for? The next situation, the next step is analyzing your current situation. Again, those two are completely parallel to fitness. You have to see what someone's eating, what someone weighs, what are they doing? Same thing. What, what kind of income do you have? What kind of expenses do you have? What kind of assets do you have? What kind of debts do you have? What are those types of income sources? Obviously, the people that work with me, a lot of them have the same type of business income and things like that in the fitness space. Then the third step is risk planning. This is where, again, this is the step that sometimes throws people off because they want to dive right into like, hey, give me the give me the roadmap to building wealth, which is, I mean, granted, that is the more fun thing, but a financial planner is hired to help you look for the events that you pray never happen and try to plan around those. So that's the third phase, really looking at all the, the risk planning, the asset protection strategies, because again, building the wealth is hard enough for a lot of people, or at least it's time consuming enough because it's you know most not, nothing that I'm teaching and most qualified financial people, they're not, these are not get rich quick schemes. In fact, it's usually very slow and you know get rich slow type of deal. So again, it's not really sexy. So it's important that you also are focusing on the risk management side of it and asset protection side of it. So you don't lose what you built. And again, I'm not talking about investment losses. I'm talking about, you know, lawsuits, creditors, things like that. Like there it's, it's everything. It's all the risk. And again, that was the episode we talked about. The fourth step is allocating the money. Again, this is a little more, that's got a little more of the sexy sizzle, you know, putting the money to work while you can go back to growing your business and in theory, your business assets, your personal assets are all growing and working for you. And you're, you're getting closer and closer to financial freedom. 
And then the, this episode, the last step is optimizing all of it. Again, like there's a, there's a few analogies that I'll throw out there because let me know which one resonates with you. If, if anyone's familiar with the Golden Gate Bridge, as I understand it, they never stop painting it. They move from one side to the other back and forth because it's such a big bridge. It takes them so long. I guess they're always, they're always in need of repair. Exact same thing with financial planning. Again, there's so much that we're working on and I, and I've hoped that that's starting to resonate with you. Like it's anything that, that involves your money, even health situations, things like that. Anything that involves money is what you want to discuss with your financial planner. If they're truly comprehensive and truly holistic, looking at your entire life. So you're always looking to optimize. And we're going to dive into today on the optimization, like different things that would trigger that. The other analogy that I throw out there is like comparing ways versus like map quest. If anyone other than myself is old enough to remember when people, when they, I mean, this is my generation had map quest. So we thought that was pretty cool. The generation for that had actual maps. So, but the problem with MapQuest compared to Waze is if you made a wrong turn, something happened, there was construction, whatever, you missed your, you missed your exit. The rest of those instructions were useless because they were all predicated on nothing going wrong. Same thing with your financial plan. After you've done those first four phases and you start allocating the money, you got your risks, something's going to happen. Something is going to get thrown at you. Like right now, as I'm recording this, no one was predicting I forget what it is it's like eight and a half percent inflation. That at least that's a number they're telling us. So we can we can pretty confidently tick that up a few. But people weren't projecting that. Obviously, we know inflation is going to go up and down, but we weren't projecting that that alters the plan a little bit. So the other analogy again, the first one was the Golden Gate Bridge. Second one, Waze versus MapQuest, and the other one's just like a the that I think is actually the m- most helpful to people is like a flight plan. Every single flight plan that gets built, as I understand it, I'm not a pilot, but as I understand it, they deviate in some minor way once they get up there because the conditions are always different than all the planning that's done. So to stay on pace, you do need to make tiny corrections. And that's exactly what it is in financial planning. Again, there's everything that we're doing when we're calculating what risks there are what investment strategies and asset allocation strategies are. They're all based on dozens of variable assumptions. Again, we're guesstimating what inflation is going to be. We're, we're guesstimating where taxes will be in the future. We're guesstimating when you're going to die and what your health costs are going to be for the rest of your life. Obviously, we have no way of truly knowing that. We can only use statistical averages and things like that. Then real life will come and we'll have to calibrate. So that's basically the, the five steps. And I'll, I, I want to dive deeper into the different things that we're looking at when we're optimizing and things that trigger optimization so that if you're doing this on your own and you're not working with someone that on an annual and continual basis is, is bringing these things up to you, that you can do it on your own and be like, oh yeah, like this, this thing changed. So now this thing should be reviewed as well. But before I do that, I want to step back and just sort of give you an idea. Again, I, the audience here is online fitness coaches, online fitness entrepreneurs. When I have a, the way it works at my firm, and again, this is, this is 
by design, obviously, I guess. But after we go through the whole process that we just talked about, like analyzing like all the personal financial planning, we hit a fork in the road. So clients that are just at, like they only hired us to help with their personal finances. This is what we do now. Like the optimization. Again, we're, we're doing, we're always looking for ways to improve your finances. So we're optimizing now and also continuously working on certain things. The other fork in the road, if we, if they're a business client as well, if they're part of our FitPro CFO program, this is now when we start to move into the business. And again, that's also because, as I said in one of the prior episodes, financial planning or finances in general operates the same way as the oxygen mass on a plane. You, you are, your business is your baby. So you need to be strong to help the business. So if your personal finances are in disarray and that's causing you stress, loss of sleep, maybe a spouse is, is stressing, like you can't show up as strong for your baby, the business. So that's why we start with the personal financial planning. So we would now deviate and dive into the business and start the whole process of all the financial planning, like all the risk and allocation and cash flow, all of that. Now we're starting to do that for your business. And the other part of that is why we start with the personal finances because you started your business for a reason. So whatever your personal goals are, the business needs to to work with your big future goals. Like maybe your big future goals are selling the business. Maybe your big future goals are to never sell the business, to just suck out all the profit and build a real estate empire. And then you'll just walk away from the business one day when your last client doesn't renew with you. Again, there's no right or wrong to that, but you need to know because your personal financial strategy needs to be in line with that goal. So in this episode, again, we're going to talk about what it is for the people that were staying on the optimization track. Like, what do you want to look for? Again, you've walked through, you, you've identified your, your goals, your current situation, you've planned for everything and you've allocated the money. Now, what do you do? Like what's going to trigger changes other than again, like obviously we're in an inflation environment right now where most people can really wrap their head around how expenses have changed. But, but let's dive into some more, well, I, mean, I was going to say optimistic, but it's just going to be everything. So are you making more money? Again, is the business flourishing now and your income, let's say it's doubled. That's awesome. And obviously it's going to open up some opportunities, but from starting in the beginning with the risk planning, as your income grows, you have to protect your income again. So the strategy that you had to protect, again, let's use a round number, $10,000 a month of profit. Now you're making 20,000 a month in profit or $40,000 a month in profit, the protection strategy will change. Along with that, you're making more money. Your tax bracket's completely different, most likely in this scenario. The tax strategy at your previous bracket and your current bracket could be different. So that's gonna start changing the financial strategy. Have you started purchasing assets? Have you started to take on debt? Maybe debt 
crept up for whatever reason. Maybe, maybe you had some sort of life event that was not expected. Do you have more debt? Does that mean you need to protect your family members from that debt? Again, I'm not saying you have to go out and buy insurance. That's, I hope that was clear in the previous episodes. There's ways to do things other than insurance. Is the insurance sometimes the answer? Absolutely. But I want to emphasize that because the, there's so many people in this industry that they'll lead with selling you insurance when that may not be the best solution to your problem or your stress, whatever the case may be. So let's talk about getting new assets. All right. So let's say you purchased a vacation property. Okay. What did you purchase it with? Well, I guess that that's a bad example because you wouldn't purchase a vacation property with a retirement vehicle, but let's say, let's say an investment property, just to make this a little more clear to people as they think of their current situation. So let's say you bought an investment property. Did you buy it in a retirement vehicle? If you didn't, if you did, obviously, are you following the, all the rules related to that? If you did not, if you bought it in your personal name, which obviously most people do, like, did you do the right things to protect it with potentially an LLC? Did you title it properly, potentially in the name of your estate plan, which would in theory be a trust for you? Like, have you made sure the title changed? Like these new assets that come on, your financial planner needs to know about them because they're going to start asking you the right questions. You know, if it's your primary residence that you purchased, that's great. But have you gone through the process of identifying how you could potentially protect the equity that's in there? And obviously with, with what we talked about before, let's move away from the real property, like real estate, as you start to have ebbs and flows in the markets, could you shift assets for tax purposes? Could you shift from a traditional IRA? to a Roth IRA based on the economic conditions. As I'm recording this, the market has fallen significantly throughout the year. Now, you can some strategies are buy the dip and things like that, but some of the other strategies are move the money into a post-tax account and pay the tax now and never again. So, maybe that's a strategy again like this is the optimization that should be happening throughout the year. If you have, I guess it is worth noting, if you have a financial planner and you're paying them, or let's call them a financial advisor, who, whatever title they call themselves, and you don't hear from them regularly, what the hell are they doing for you? Again, if, we, if you listen to the last few episodes, like what the hell are they doing for you? If they have your money and they're not bringing up changes, again, there should be a a regular cadence of things you're going over, especially you guys listening because you're young. Like I have a colleagues that all they do is work with retirees and they're still, I mean, it's, it's less because less things come up for a retiree than young business owners, but they're still meeting with their clients at least once or twice a year because things change. Things need to be updated. So if, if I've done nothing else, but explain to you that, there's a lot of moving pieces and that's that's the point. Like you want to rely on these financial professionals to think of things and ask you questions that or yeah, ask answer questions you didn't even know to ask. 
And the, the last part of that is like new phases in your life. So again, I forget if I used this analogy earlier, your financial transformation for many people, it's like turning a battleship. And that's not uncommon, like with some of your clients that have really significant health transformation goals. So in the first phase of working with somebody, they might be all gung ho to start putting their money to work, but you identified a bunch of risks. So you might still be tackling the risks in their life and you haven't even gotten to the optimization of the, <clears throat> excuse me, of building the retirement plan. Other new phases in your life could be just a change of priorities. When you first sat down and went over your goals, it could have been retirement. Now you have children and you've pivoted to wanting to take one big vacation a year or you know, making sure they don't have any student loans when they get done with college, if you decide to send them to college. Priorities. Again, that, that's similar to like a goal, but those things are going to change for you as you get older or life just throws very unexpected things at you. And throughout all of this, again, this is specific to my firm and I intentionally bring this up a lot because how do I put this? I've run into so many people that there's such a misconception out there that people have their back when it comes to taxes. And unfortunately, that's rarely the case. Most people's financial professional is not helping you with taxes, whether they're not knowledgeable enough or two at the bigger firms. And you can ask if you, have a, if you work with a financial advisor, like the big firms, I won't name them, but like you can ask them outright if they're allowed to give you tax advice. And a lot of them will tell you they're not. And I can't blame them. The, the compliance in finance is very strict. So those major firms, they have thousands and thousands of financial professionals working for them. It's much easier for them to just make a rule saying no one's allowed to give tax advice than to try to police which people actually have the expertise to give that advice. So they're not giving malpractice essentially by giving people bad advice. So again, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that that's one of the advantages of some of these people like myself who own their own firm and can give the expertise that they have to their clients. But even think about the situation you have with your accountant and I'm not throwing accountants under the bus. I love them. I, again, if you listen to these episodes, you know, I work in a team environment. My clients, we have bookkeepers, we have accountants that we're partnered with. And then I sit on top of all of it as a financial planner slash CFO in their life, coordinating everything. Now we're doing heavy tax planning myself, like me personally, but all of that tax planning strategy gets relayed to the bookkeeper and the accountant because it takes all of us. Because if you and I come up with a strategy, it needs to be implemented and documented properly to the IRS. So, but my point in telling you this, again, this is where the optimization comes in because throughout the process of identifying everything, now we're in the weeds. Now we're, we're everything's being implemented, multiple things, and some things had to get waitlisted because there's, you can only do so much at a time. When you are putting these strategies together, or I should say, often your accountant, like when you think they're doing this for you, they're often not. The vast majority of accountants, 
they just sit with you in February, March, April, May, if you filed an extension, you know, whatever. But all they're doing is recording history for you. And again, that is not a knock on the tax preparer industry because they're extremely good at what they do. They know the IRS, they know the paperwork, they know the compliance. They're going to help you with like the gray area. But that expertise often means they spend most of their time staring in the rear view mirror for you and your business. So you may think, hey, I have an awesome accountant. And you may have an awesome, awesome accountant. But that doesn't mean they are out there proactively looking for strategies to save you money. The best analogy is, and I actually just thought of this, so if it turns out to be a terrible analogy, I apologize in advance. But a very similar analogy would be what you do. You know, doctors can easily try to help you after things go off the rails. You know, obviously we can, we know they're going to throw prescriptions at you and stuff like that. But you're out there proactively keeping people healthy, proactively preventing the future health issue that a doctor is going to go tackle after it already presents itself. So that's the thing that you should be asking. And again, your accountant may be doing this for you, but the vast majority do not. So if you just say, and the best way to tell if your accountant is doing tax planning for you is ask yourself when you talk to them. If you talk to them after the year ends, they're doing tax preparation for you. Because tax planning season, I mean, realistically, it's all year round, but the deep dive is the last two years of the, sorry, last two months of the year, November, December, because this is when you know you have a pretty good idea of what your income is going to be for the year, specifically, obviously, in your business. And then you know what your tax liability is likely to be. And then you can start strategically moving that number up and down. Again, this wasn't supposed to be an episode on tax planning, but I want to emphasize enough that that's a huge part of the optimization that I'm talking about. Again, there's a lot of things that we're doing in the optimization phase because a lot, like I said, you're implementing things. You can only do so much. So you might wait list a bunch of very critical things to work on the most critical things for you. But on top of that, you want to keep looking at this through the tax lens because you might have a really good year and now you got a quote unquote tax problem that you want to strategize for. If you wait till January 1st of the following year, it's over. There's very few strategies left. So tax planning season is November, December. So that's a great way to look at it. If you don't hear from your accountant until February of the next year, because they're getting ready to do your April taxes, you have a tax preparation accountant. Again, that is not a knock. I don't personally prepare the taxes. I have partnerships that do it. So, But we sit on top of it, coming up with all the strategy and then having them help us document those strategies to the IRS. So the IRS knows what we did. It's all above board. If you get audited, we have all the, the things that we needed to do. We didn't just th throw band-aids on things in April to try to push it through and hope for the best. So that's a good way to look at it. Because again, as, as we move through the year as a fitness business, 
Again, this is this is meant to be talking about the personal finance. And this is this is going to be a shorter episode because it's really just a recap of hey, this is now when we go optimize everything and pick up the pieces. But let's now that we're on the topic of taxes, let's let's drill this home when it comes to the planning. One, what I didn't just say before, and I should have a good tax planning professional likely can save you more than they ever charge you. The same way if you've worked with any good marketing people, the amount of revenue they're going to provide you far exceeds what they charged, which makes them valuable. It's the same thing on the tax side. It's a really nice way for someone to quantify, hey, your tax liability was supposed to be 75 grand, but we did this, 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 and this, and we got it down to seven or 60 grand, you know, like boom, 15 grand savings or whatever the case may be. So again, I can't emphasize enough that you should really be making sure that there's someone on your team that's forecasting and planning for tax liability, not just filing it on the day it's due in April. So that's that's basically the five steps of financial planning. And since we're at the end of the, the series, I'll just quickly run through it again. It's it's goal setting, looking at your, your current situation, looking at, and now again, we know what the goals are. We know where all the money's coming from looking at the things that will derail us from this plan. Then after we have all those risks, allocating the money, putting the money into to work, whatever the case may be, you know, if it's for your kids, it's for your grandkids, if it's for yourself, short-term, medium-term, long-term, calibrating all of that out. And then finally, optimizing all of it. Now, again, the people listening to this, since you're business owners, this is when we're really diving deep into the business. So your personal finances at this point are in order, or at least things are being tackled. And then we're moving on to the business. So we can do, <laughs> we can start all the same process again in the business, but now we can reflect back on all your personal goals of how, and that's going to help us with the decision-making on what to do with those profits. And also, it's so hard to delineate these because if you're listening to this, you're likely a sole prop, an LLC, or an S-corp, or a partnership, all of which are pass-through entities. Very few people in your space are going to be C-corps, but so that wouldn't apply if you are. But everything else is going to end up on your personal tax return anyway. So the person, the personal side and the business side are so interwoven that we tackle the personal first, then we move on to the business. So hopefully this has been helpful. If you guys have any questions, if this has been confusing, but I hope I, I really narrowed or hammered home that it's very opaque working with a financial planner because they can't show you what they're doing per se, because it's there's so many pieces to your financial puzzle that no matter what, the issue is there's something financial that is tied to it that we're putting a strategy together. So if you have any questions or you just don't even know where to begin, please let me know. DM me. My Instagram is at the Pat Darby. I recently changed it from Pat Darby biz to the Pat Darby figuring that's a little easier for people to remember, but I hope this has been helpful. And uh, the first episode you listened to, 
highly encourage you. You don't have to go back to episode one. That'd be cool if you did. But if you don't want to, you can just go back to episode 33 where we start this series. And uh, if you're considering hiring somebody or you talk to someone and you saw what they charge and it spooked you, this might give you a better idea of, of the value they're providing you for that investment. So again, as always, I hope this has been super valuable. If it was, please share it with a friend because that would really help us grow the show. And again, I, I really like this stuff. I spent another minute and I'm sure I talked about this before. I do not come from a background of financial literacy. It was not taught in my home. It was not taught in college. I was a biochemistry major. So I learned a lot of this the hard way after my own mistakes before I went into biz, into finance 12 years ago. I truly empathize with people when they're like, oh, I have a dumb question. It's like, hey, I would rather a dumb question than a dumb mistake. And I've done both. So ask your quote unquote dumb question and let's save you from one of my expensive mistakes. So hopefully this has been helpful. And again, please share it if, if it was. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks. You have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram, at patdarbybiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes, And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.